and welcome back to another episode of the Asking for a Friend podcast. It's an elder-led ministry of Believer's Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. My name is Duffy Henderson, and I am your host. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and the benefit of God's people. Here we hope to provide helpful, thoughtful, and most importantly, biblical material as we address everyday life questions and issues. So if you find this podcast helpful, please take a few moments to share it with someone you think would also benefit from it. Thanks for listening in today, and may the Lord bless this episode in particular greatly to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth and your benefit. And today I am joined back with Jason Rowland, our pastor, uh, one of our elders here at Believers, and uh, he brought this topic up to me a couple of weeks ago, and I'm excited to discuss this today. Um, many of you know and are familiar with the National Day of Prayer. It comes around once a year in May, I think every year, correct? First Thursday in May. First Thursday in May, uh, every year. And uh, I think there's a lot of good things uh, that uh, are involved in that concept. And we want to just talk about how we can better think about the National Day of Prayer and just some thoughts surrounding that. Uh, we're going to use a, a recent cultural or a, a recent um what would be a better way to put that? Uh, the revival that happened recently. Uh, well, yes, just a recent a recent uh, event that uh, certainly fits into the discussion yes. of the subject. Great way to put it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this will be probably a shorter episode today. We just wanted to pop in here and give some helpful thoughts regarding um, the National Day of Prayer. Should we be praying for our country? Um, how should we pray for our country? And those types of questions, I think most Christians would would ask and would be uh, would deal with, and various churches and pastors and individuals would probably answer those questions in some different ways. Uh, what expectations should we have, or should we have any, those types of things. So, Jason, why don't you kind of kick us off with some thoughts, and we'll get this rolling today. Well, certainly I appreciate the fact that we are going to try to um, talk ab- about the National Day of Prayer and recognize that that is something that I've always been involved with, and, and we have a local uh, National Day of Prayer event every year, and I'm usually the one that uh, does all the logistics to put all that together, and so we've been doing this faithfully at, at Emory for um, most of the 23 years that I've been here. And, you know, as time has gone, I've begun to think, what are we doing? And what purpose does it serve? And there, and there seems, you know, I, I go back and forth because I see the value of it, and I certainly don't want to be critical of it, but at the same time, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, I don't know that this is accomplishing a lot because part of what we're doing is seeking some kind of moral um, revival back to a time in which we could let our children play in the front yard without fear. We could um, go down the street and visit with a neighbor for a few hours and never lock the front door. We don't live in a world like that anymore. And I think that evangelical Christians tend to long for those kinds of things in which we don't turn on the headlines and there's been multiple murders and school shootings and immorality of every type and all these kinds of perverted realities that are around us we we long for a time when those things didn't exist but the truth is they've always existed we just know more about them and we're a little more savvy um in um technology 
um, and we're a little more sophisticated in how we describe and categorize sin and those kinds of things. So we're really um, experiencing the same things that they did in the first century, just more technology. Yeah, and th- those are such good thoughts. And, you know, I think every person who has been alive for more than a few days can see that our nation, specifically America, is really in a bad way. I think that's that's just a, that's, and I would say the world in general too, but specifically within our context here, I, I we don't want to say you know we we don't want to deny that we we actually are you know it's ultra real for us because we know people and we we're all experiencing this social media and media where we are met face to face with school shootings and uh, <laughs> all sorts of of heinous sin heinous sin. And we can think to ourselves, this is just getting worse and worse and worse. And we can circle that pessimistic, you know, roundabout. Mm -hmm. And it's an understandable thing that we would want to cry out to God. uh, Yes. Help us. Yes. That is, that in itself is not wrong. That is not. It's Um, a good impulse. That is. And and it's a good reaction to what we're seeing. And it's a a heartfelt, I think, in many ways. Yes. But. In spite of that, when we gather, what are we praying for? And is there a brokenness? Is there a recognition of our sin to the degree that we are uh, weeping and understand um, the depths of it, the offense of it to God? I think about how that we, even though we're emphasizing the National Day of Prayer and we we have a, a, a local event here, it's not attended well. Yeah. It's a one-hour event Yeah, that I don't know that God hears that. I think back to the ancient Old Testament Israelites, yeah. and, and I think about Isaiah 58 and Isaiah 1, where um, God says to the people, you're, you're doing all the religious things. You're fasting. You're seeking. You're gathering. You're, you're setting aside festival days that I have ask you to. You're being religious. You're yes. being good religious people, right? Right. But but I'm not hearing those prayers. I'm not paying attention to what you're saying. I'm turning my face from you. I'm not giving emphasis to um, what you're um, doing because it, it's not a heartfelt uh, prayer and uh, spiritual life toward me. And so, I, you know, I think that that's some of what we see here. How can a nation that actually murders over 3,000 babies a day have a national day of prayer in which we we really, it, it seems empty in some ways. But but at the same time, I get the, the impulse, as you said, is right, Duffy. We ought to seek God. How else are we going to see a reversal and a um, movement of God unless we cry out? But is that crying out... Um, as sincere and as uh, spiritually motivated as it should be. And here, here's my example. Sure. Uh, I think that one of the things that we have gotten um, mixed up in our current evangelical culture is that we think that revival is all about returning to this Mayberry idealistic, idealistic kind of society. Um where it benefits us, where we feel safe, where we feel secure, where we feel comfortable, where we feel like that things are 
um, back on an even keel. But, but I think revival is seeking God. True revival is seeking who God is. When we want God more than we want safety and security, when we want God's holiness and God's name and God's honor to be uh, sought and magnified and elevated more than we want safety and comfort and security, more than we want uh, the right, and I put this in air quotes, the right president in office, more than we want that, what we want is for God's name to be honored. Yes. And I, I, I think we, we, we blur that line so much. And so we've gotten to the place now where we're, we're seeking, um, how can we make our schools better? How can we do better movies so that we don't go to a movie and we have to listen to God's name taken in vain, you know, 96 times? How can we do that? Well, yeah, I want that, and, and I would love for us to be there, but let's see God to do that. Yeah, and, and this is something that as, you know, I, I've been a church kid my whole life. You know, I'm, I, I still view myself as a church kid, and I'm about to be 32, and I was born in a church nursery, basically, and I've been in church my whole life. And I have seen, just in my 30 years of living, half as long as you, mm-hmm. I have seen the, the moral decline. And I think that a lot of the, the desire is a right desire. Again, I'll reiterate this. It's a right desire and a right... It, someone who is born again, who is indwelt by the Spirit, sees evil and sees wrongdoing and their heart cries out Mm -hmm. that's a Mm -hmm. natural thing absolutely um and that's a good thing we should and we should on our individual level we should work wherever we can to right wrongs if possible um but i think a lot of the conversation that i have heard and been been exposed to the motivation for a national day of prayer is a good one but it usually quickly devolves into just a moralistic sort of a conversation that we're we're here and it's bad and we need to get there or get back rather maybe more often it's mm-hmm. get back mm-hmm. like what you're saying is get back somewhere where it was air quote better mm-hmm. than what it is now mm-hmm. and it really is devoid of it's kind of i've even heard you know language used almost like treating god as this uh, magic genie kind of a situation where we call on God's name to just make our lives better. Right. But our call to God is not because we desire Him. And I, I'm just reiterating this. Yes. But I've experienced that, um, and I've always been a little bit hesitant to, uh, you know, we're, there. There's this concept of America as a Christian nation, America as a a nation under the Lord, and, and maybe there are some there's some truth to that in some sense, but I think that a lot of times we get carried away with that, and we lose sight of the power of the mean the ordinary means of grace that God has called that He uses to bring back air quotes here again moral uh, uh, betterment to a to a society, and that's through. <laughs> I would say Christian homes and the local church. Mm-hmm. That's how he and preaching. All right? right, we. I mean, you and I would probably agree that the preaching of the word, evangelism of the lost, is the primary means by which God brings uh, moral transformation. The, the transformation we would like to see 
it's not going to come by uh, unregenerate people doing better. Right. Because ultimately, it's not even redemptive. That doesn't accomplish much, you know? Right. And I think what we see as we look at some of the history of revival, apart from Scripture, what we see there is God using the ordinary means of grace, which is confession, prayer, evangelism, church gathering, um, the Lord's Supper, baptism, and, and there's those things become, to a greater degree in times of revival, important. They become the priority to a greater degree. But those are the means that he still uses. It's not that he uses some different kind of formula. He uses the ordinary means, but it's just to a different extraordinary degree, I think. That's a great way to put it. Say that again. That's. I think that is really helpful. Well, I think what I tried to say is that God uses the ordinary means to an extraordinary degree in time to revival. Yeah, and so I think, just to be clear, what you're saying is that there's no... Uh, no mystical special formula yes. or uh, specific prayer or way to pray or, you know, we don't need anything other than what God's already given us and actually called us to as the church in order to bring about revival. If he is, and it has to be God driven or else it will be a false, it will be just a carnal revival. Right. <laughs> you know, in so, some sense. So what we see and for example, you mentioned this in the opening statements of the episode that the Asbury revival that we saw in the February of 2023, February Correct. of this year, um, we saw some uh, extraordinary kinds of things to a negative degree, not to a spiritually positive degree, uh, the casting out of demons and um, apparently there were um, those who are deviant in their sexuality who were actually uh, speaking and leading. And, you know, you and I were not there. And I want to be careful that we're not totally critical of that revival and that movement because we know that God can do whatever he wants to do. And we have to be mindful that 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 God can work. Um, of course, people were coming in from all points of the compass to to Asbury and to uh, experience that revival and and that let me pause for that is the word they came for an experience mm -hmm. and they I mean they were they were uh, vocal about that we've come to experience what God is doing here that's the kind of language that was being used and right it's, and, and again I get that kind of impulse because, I do yes. because if God is doing something the true Christian doesn't want to miss out yeah, on it. Exactly, know? exactly. And so, you know, people were going, and I think there was some sincerity. I think mm -hmm. there's naivete. I think yeah. there's confusion. Yeah. Um, and and God is never the author of confusion, and he does things decently and in order. And so what I'm saying is those those are the, those are outside the ordinary means Right, and, and one of the most helpful things that helped me think through the Asbury Revival and any other of these quote-unquote revivals uh, that have happened, and hopefully this is helpful to someone else as well, but speaking of the ordinary means of grace, whenever there is something that is couched as a, uh, a special, unique scenario where 
kind of all of the things are happening rightly. And then there's this infusion of God's grace and his mercy and his love in this particular location where people are coming, that immediately uh, detracts from all of these other local communities that where the churches are preaching the Bible and it's just regular Christianity. Mm-hmm. It reg- just normal Christianity, but right. hey, we got to go somewhere else to get the real deal. We got to right. go catch on to this. Uh, right, and part special... of this, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. Sorry. You're fine. Part of the uh, the thinking on that is that we can go and bring that back. We yeah. can go and get it, yeah, and bring and br- it back, <laughs> as if we as if the Holy Spirit was something to pursue or to chase, and so we chase Him, and we we meet Him. And something happens, now we can take him back to our local church or our local event or whatever. And, and that's not really... It's so convoluted. I mean, we try to be gracious, but just that concept, that is very anti-biblical. Mm-hmm. Convoluted. Right. And we want to we want to encourage our, anyone listening to really be careful about how you're thinking about these things. Again, we don't want to just be overly critical. And Right. Um, but at the same time, there are some, I think at times there are some rather... Good, this is a good situation to reflect about what we think, some of our, our assumptions that we have, everyone, you know, how we think about. Mm-hmm. And again, I, let's come back to kind of more of the, we're talking about the National Day of Prayer right. specifically. So Asbury Revival, uh, among others, you know, we could certainly talk about that, but let's come back to this concept of, should, Jason, let me ask this question. Should we as Christians expect God to bring uh, America back to himself or to uh, give America a second wind of uh, good morals. And I mean, is that even something that we ought to pray for in, in even a general sense? Well, I know that in many ways that yes, the answer is yes. I mean, um, yes, we ought to pray for that. But I also know that there are categories within Christian life today in which the the idea of praying for America and revival is not a high priority. It's not because they're, they're bad people or they're not thinking theologically or biblically. It's because um, prior to 1850, um, the subject of revival was, was a revival, was a subject that um, people took seriously and it was a high priority. It was something that uh, men thought biblically and theologically about and put a lot of um, sincere effort into understanding it. Yeah. Um, Charles Finney comes onto the scene. Yeah. And things changed and begin to um, be about how we can manipulate it. And, you know, and Charles Finney even said, hey, we can, if we do steps one, two, three, then were promised every time that there would be a revival. And people begin to think that way. And and thoughtful men begin to pull out uh, and pull back a little mm-hmm. bit because of the influence that Finney was having. And because they begin to pull back, then thoughtful, uh, careful theology and doctrine of revival begin to to wane. You're right. Yep. And uh, there, there's Finney, a- Finney kind of took over that whole category in Christian thought. Yes. And I would argue that uh, in in many ways, Finney is still alive and well today, 
in in general categories of thought about revival and revivalism. Yes. He he created revivalism essentially. Right. Um, so and, and we're the products of that right now. We we are. We're in the throes of it, if you will. We and, are. And so that's why yeah. people. Um, you know, have such emphasis and such hope and hey, if we just pray and we get the right president, That's if we right. get the right Congress person in office, if we have the right governor, and I get it. And yeah. and and we prayed for our president. We prayed for President Joe Biden. We sure did this last Sunday, and we're going to do it every and Sunday. And I think that's wonderful. Yes, we do. Joe Biden needs our prayers. Yes, uh, everyone around him. Also, we need to be praying. I think that's that's an important thing for Christians to, to hear. Right. But you remember, Duffy, that the emphasis of that prayer was for his salvation. Amen. It wasn't so that we could have a nation in which we yes. could go back to Mayberry RFD. Yes. Uh, I mean, I would love to be there. But, but the, realistically, what we're called to do is pray for the salvation of our president at this point, who is in our opinion, has proven himself to be an unbeliever. Yes. And and we prayed for our Congress people, yes. the same kind of prayer. And so I think those kinds of thoughts um, would be um, the way that we ought to pray. Yeah. You know, I, I, you, you asked me, should we do that? And I think, yes. And But I also think we ought to realize and, you know, Check again. Are we seeking God? Or are we just seeking comfort, safety, security, etc.? Yeah. yeah. Um, what? What? Who is our God? Is it the God of Scripture or the God of safety or the God of of uh, of comfort? I think that a lot of of us, I think, if we're really careful about how we're thinking about this, personal safety and security and welfare and well being, that becomes our God. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, it's easy for that to happen. I, right. can, I mean, all of us, I think, have fallen that at some point. Right. And I, I think one of the patterns that we see from the Old Testament is um, the revival that we see uh, under Hezekiah, for example, mm-hmm. when we go to Chronicles and Kings, the the revival under Josiah, the revival under Asa. Those were revivals that were word-driven and, yes. and confession emphasis. Yes. Um, well, you know, all the common denominator is that the the law was brought back to the forefront, the the word of God. You know, mm-hmm. and of course, this is Israel and the theocracy of the Israel, and so. Yeah. But the word of God was central to those revivals of the people coming back. Their repentance after the law was read, they broke down and and repented and turned to God. And of course, we know that happened multiple times. And right. But and if I had my way, on in a real local National Day prayer event, um, and maybe I can have my way since I'm the one that does all Hey, if you're organizing it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would emphasize um, praying prayers of confession, Mm. and there would be nothing else we would pray for. Mm. And I mean, listen to to Daniel chapter 9. Listen to what, how he prays. In Daniel chapter 9, he says, I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned, we have done wrong, and acted wickedly, and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets. And he continues on and says, we have 
committed treachery against you. We have sinned against you. We have transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. But you hear that language mm. and those words that are descriptive of how we act as people, and even God's people. We've rebelled. We've transgressed. We've turned aside. I, I think if we're going to gather for a National Day of Prayer event, then those things ought to be our emphasis. Yeah, and I'm hearing in, in Daniel's prayer, I'm hearing David's prayer. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Um, but behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. and You teach me wisdom in, in the secret um, in the secret heart. Psalm 51, I hear that same right. uh, internal repulsion towards sin, right. a recognition of sin and understanding that we have transgressed the law of God. And right. uh, that's, yeah, I agree. And so, Amen. You know, so since, um, I am the one who, who forms our, our local event, uh, I do start our time with a time of confession. Um, but, but then we usually pray, um, you know, for, um, our, um, military. We pray for our Supreme Court justices and our judicial system. We pray for our educational system. So we, we pray for all those things. And I'm not saying that those are wrong to pray for. I, I just don't know that we can have some kind of expectation. You used that word earlier. I don't know that we can expect God to reverse what's going on in Hollywood um, when we're the ones that contribute to what they're doing. Mm. We're not confessing and repenting and, and turning from those things. We're, we're, we're the, the ones who are paying the money to go watch what they're putting out. Mm. And so I don't know that, that we're being consistent when we're praying for the Son. Certainly a good thought. Uh, my mind, as we kind of wrap this episode up, my mind is drawn to first Timothy chapter two. And I think this is probably the most helpful text, one of the most helpful texts in the New Testament for us as Christians to think about as we are concerned about the society that we live in and what do we do? What do, how do we, how do we interact? As there's a question about what the church and its position with society is, the church as a gathered body and as an institution, so to speak. And then there's also a question of the Christian individually. I think those are two separate realms. But first of all, Paul says in 2 Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, he writes to Timothy, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions. And here's kind of the rationale, or, or why do we do this? So that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so I think for the Christian, in my understanding, what do I do today? If I see my country, my society, and I'm concerned for its well-being, I'm concerned that it's uh, obviously it's going away from God, it's, it has no desire for God, it's actually antithetical to God, it hates God in some ways, we can see this in, in various ways. Um, how, how, then, how then shall I pray? That's the question, right? I think the first 
prayer needs not to be an external prayer. It needs to be a, Lord, show me where I have sinned. <laughs> show me where I have failed you as, as your child. Help me to not cast the first stone, right? Help, create in me a new heart. Right. Renew a right spirit within me, Lord. And then we can think about others, and we pray similarly for the same thing, that the Word of God would be made manifest in their lives, and they would come to repentance and faith in Him. Right. Um, and, and yeah, there are moral things that can be changed, and this or that or the other, but ultimately morals, apart from redemption and salvation, are just good people going to hell. And right. that's just the reality of things. And so... Um, there are certain, certainly um, many areas of our lives that we can pray for that God would, uh, I, I guess where I, to summarize, we would, we would desire that the Lord would use his people to bring the word of God to the lost in wherever we're at. So we, I think we, a lot of times we think on too large of a scale. We think about the whole country, right? Mm-hmm. But here in Emory, Texas, or here in, you know, small, I think we need to think smaller sometimes. Mm-hmm. How can we accomplish this on a national day of prayer in Emory or Rains County? That's right, how, that right. sort of thing. And, and certainly evangelism, I think the idea of um, asking God to save and to draw to himself those who are lost, um, yes. to bring people to the understanding of their need of the gospel, I, I think that's the primary thing that you would pray for after confession, after the, the soul searching in your own heart, sure. and, and then the, the public recognition and agreement with one another, hey, we have transgressed. We, we do rebel. We continue to do that. And we have blood on our hands, and yet we're going through this religious emotion, uh, or rather event, and, um, and we are expressing it with emotion. And so how do we divide those things and think about it rightly. And, um, you know, this, this particular episode is not comprehensive about the subject <laughs> no. and it's not exhaustive. There's so many thoughts there, like uh, flying by right now. I know. There's so many <laughs> things. And, and, and I do think, for example, you know, one of the, th- some suggestions that we can pray for. Sure. This would be a great way to end. Yes. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, pray for the salvation of president Joe Biden, uh, and all of those in his administration, Pray that God would remove all those in political position and influence who will not submit to him in repentance or who willfully continue in rebellion against God. You know, we, we have a lot of the example of that kind of prayer in the Psalms, the penitent Psalms. Yes, and, yes. Uh, the impenitent. Yes. And uh, uh, pray that God would give President Biden godly and wise advisors and cabinet members. Pray that... He would fear God and recognize his, recognize his accountability to God. Pray that the president and his cabinet would make wise decisions for what is best for the whole nation uh, rather than just a, a, a few. Uh, pray that Christianity will receive true and fair coverage in all media reporting. Pray for the preservation of religious liberty. So I'm, I'm using a yeah. list that I have. We have a thing called Pastor's Prayer Partner that we do once a month, and I mail it out. And this is a list that I have used uh, multiple times to ask my prayer partners, hey, this is what I'd like for you to pray for this month. But I think those are fine things to pray for and a good example. Just what is the motive for praying at 
And are we seeking good? Um, I mean, seeking God, are we seeking good for ourselves? Yeah, I think most often, I think even for Christians who are well-meaning, a lot of our prayers are uh, even subconsciously, not even intended to be, but they're self-driven, they're self-motivated. This is not talking about revival or anything else. This is just talking about prayer in general. Um, man, we ought to, we have, we have so, uh, we, we live in such a consumeristic society where Everything is about me, and our prayers, even if we're not thoughtful, they are just so self-consumed. So even just thinking about prayer in general, we need to pray for others more, mm-hmm. just in general. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, of course, pray for yourself, but pray for others as well. Right. So, can I recommend a couple of authors Please before do. we um, yep. close out the episode? This will be the final thing we do. Yeah, right. That's good. Um, two men that I would recommend that if you can get their books and read. Um, one is Richard Owen Roberts. He's a, a pastor that that preached and pastored out on the West Coast primarily. Um, he was involved with Billy Graham Ministries for uh, years, but his lifetime study was the subject of revival. He's written over 150 volumes wow. on revival. And um, I'm not saying that I know everything that he's written about it but i do have one book that it's called revival that's just the title of it revival and he asked some questions that i think are pertinent in thinking about this Uh, when he asked what is revival Um, when is revival needed when can revival be expected what truth must revival emphasize? What are the dangers of revival? And that's not all the chapters of this book, but but I think this little book that I read back in the 80s, uh, and I still have on my shelf, is, is something that would be helpful. And Richard Owen Roberts, the things that he's written about revival, I think, are helpful. The second one that I re- would recommend to you is Leonard Ravenhill. And Leonard Ravenhill, uh, Ravenhill was... Um, a British evangelist who came to America. He was in the United States from about 1958 to to 1994. The last parts of his life were spent in Lindale, Texas. Right right down the road from here. Right. And uh, he was a fiery preacher who mostly God used in the churches to call people to wreck to wake up, to recognize their sin, to to evaluate and think about their life, and to call the church back to uh, a place in which we see the same kind of thing in the book of Revelation in chapters 1 and 2 with the seven churches. But, yes, yes. Um, these two men, Richard Owen Roberts, Leonard Ravenhill, uh, I think you would do well to read um, anything that those guys have written and uh, would help you in your thinking about revival. Well, thanks. That's really good, helpful recommendations. And that's going to wrap up today's episode. Hope that you've enjoyed this one and hope it's been helpful. Thanks for taking your time uh, to listen today to the Asking for a Friend podcast. Don't forget, though, before you go, like and share the episode or any other episodes with those that you think would be helped by them. Uh, You can share them through social media, through text message or email or however you share media. Uh, We'd appreciate that. And lastly, if you have a question that you'd like us to consider for a future podcast episode, uh, you can submit a question to us through our website. Go to bbcemory.org, go to the media tab, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you'll find a box that you can submit us a question. But as usual, until next time, grace and peace be with you all.